Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Well, hello, Roger. How are you? Oh, my goodness, Troy. I'm sun-kissed in three sheets to the wind, but I'm here. Well, you are not here. You are where? The listeners are going to think I live the most lavish (laughs) life, uh, which is not the case. Let me be clear. This is only the second trip I've ever taken out of the country. The first one was Colombia a couple weeks ago, but I'm currently in Cancun, um, and I'm at the uh, Iberostar coral level which means it's adults only Mm. and so i do apologize if you hear the sound of cheering or a dj screaming in spanish or the sound of little wayne chanting oh yeah in the background at some point ideally we have a calm and collected recording session i told everyone i said i'm recording please respect it but there's a pool several floors below me i can't control it so um i'm you know i'm doing the best to keep everything in order here but yes i'm in cancun i'm living it up and um i'm a little sunburned but i'm having the time of my life awesome and that should just show our listeners your level level of devotion to dark night of the podcast to take time out of a luxurious cancun vacation to record so we can get content out for our audience i mean who would do that except roger connor's Devotion. devotion. It's called devotion, and I'm devoted to our listeners. As as are you. You uh, you've recorded when you've been away. You've made it a point to uh, share with them your wealth of knowledge on cinema, even when you've been in the midst of vacation. So I hope that the listeners appreciate you as well. But yes, I did not want to deprive them uh, for not one week. I thought it's important we get some new material. Well, out we're there. not depriving them with this particular pick, are we now? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I'm feeling kind of lonely. You know, our last two episodes, we had our first two guest co-hosts on. And I'm going to tell you, they were both episodes, both co-hosts, both episodes were, I thought, uh, just wonderful, 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 wonderful. Oh, my God. What a joy. And you know what? I, I'll i say this being, you know, we're still in our um, first year of doing this. It was our first time bringing in an additional you know, bringing an additional host and bringing in guests. And I think there was a level of hesitation uh, just because it was kind of breaking the pattern that we set, breaking the, like the flow we've set for ourselves. Cause you and I definitely are in the midst of a good, like we've got our jive, you mm-hmm. know, like we know what we're doing. And um, I was scared that maybe that might disrupt it, but it only made it that much better. Um, again, let's just remind everyone, Chris Jenner was here. And right now he has a film that is playing on lifetime. He's a star. God, what is he not doing right now? And we had uh, Teresa Padone, my very good friend, the pop, uh, pop culture Persephone, and what a blast she was. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to those episodes, go listen to them right now because they, uh, they're they great. We did Sleepaway Camp and Tamara. My God, two extremely absurd <laughs> and far, like, two far different sides of the spectrum when it comes to the world of horror, but... um. Uh, absurd nonetheless both with uh plenty of content to dissect (laughs) oh yes as we get into our our next pick 
The film that we will be discussing this week, and I was trying to think of a fun way to transition into it, but I mean, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. You know, oh, you we the last okay. film we we reviewed, it really dealt with um, a lot of toxic relationships Tamara had with her teacher and other people. But you know, who doesn't have a toxic relationship with his love interest is the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yes, the Toxic Avenger. Um... Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's as good as we're, we're gonna get. <laughs> I've been drinking mimosas all day long. We've I'm three mimosas in right now. <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> well, this will be a fun one because this film. Yeah. So let's just get right to it because yeah, I, I know you want to get back to the beach, and um, we got a lot to talk about with the Toxic Avenger. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's the Toxic Avenger, uh, 1984 film from the ever you know, glamorous studio trauma. Um, film was directed by Michael Hertz and Lloyd Kaufman, who is somewhat of a pretty big name in horror, indie horror, especially. This was one of their probably, this in class in Newcomb High, I'm going to say, are the, probably the two most recognizable, popular, beloved, if we want to use that word, uh, trauma films. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the one that I think has the most face value in the sense of uh, whether it be the poster art or the widespread publicity. There was even a kid's animated series that I remember watching as a child. Um, But there's so much um, widespread interest at the time for this this specific character that it was enough to get several sequels and a lot of just a lot of attention for trauma, which normally goes under the radar as a very low budget independent uh, company that that's known for making stock um, like sticky, schlocky, uh, horror comedy esque kind of cinema, and that is like what they are known for. That's exactly what this film is. However, I think that m- this film has a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of charm to it that maybe perhaps some of their other films does not have. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm gonna precursor by telling you this troy um and like you know this is a podcast where we dissect dissect films and we give our opinions and you know everyone has their different opinion when it comes to cinema you know i don't think my opinion is any more valid or any more legitimate than anybody else's you know it's just we're just lending our voices and i'm sure you're going to have your thoughts on this film but i do have to say um when it comes to what i enjoy uh, in the sense of horror and the genre trauma is not it um I do not enjoy trauma. I was I respect what they do, though. I do respect what they do, but I do not lean into it. I, I can think of maybe one trauma movie I love, and it's Cannibal the Musical. Um, but other than that, um, I am not a fan of this film, and I'm going to just put it. Yeah, no, and you know, I, I picked it because it, it, I, I just have a. It's not because I necessarily like the film. I think it's highly entertaining, yeah. but. I just remember seeing this film when I was a kid. I, I don't even, I had to have been like eight or nine years old. And if you imagine watching this film when you're that young, just uh, there was, there's so many scenes that just stuck in my mind from this film, because at the time I thought that this film was when I first saw it was literally like the goriest graphic, most graphic thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I yeah. remember, I remember thinking that as a kid now watching it as an adult and seeing how hokey some of these death effects are. It's like, okay, this is, this is typical trauma stuff, but this film really had an impact on me when I was a kid mm-hmm. um, because I, I had never seen anything like it. Yeah. So I wanted to revisit it now as, as you know, in a, 
an adult that's that's actually gone through filmmaking filmmaking process a couple times. But yeah, so I just wanted to like revisit this film now from a different perspective, you know. Yeah. And, and again, there was a few scenes that just stuck with me, and we'll get to those. But the fi- the film is um, very much of the time period. It starts with a kind of a scan of the New York City skyline, and it's really kind of jarring to see the Twin Towers. That's one of the things I noticed right away. I'm like, uh, yeah. Oh, it's the second shot you get, yeah. and it just is like, whoa, it's right like in your face, and it's got this like really 80s like track blasting in the background, and it just hits you really hard, yeah. We get a voiceover basically talking about pollution and uh how mm-hmm. pollution has increased dramatically in, in in the world the last several years and this this was 84 so obviously it's probably gotten worse since then and then we're introduced to tromaville which is the proud because they even have a they even have it on their billboard they're so proud of it it is the toxic toxic waste dump capital of the world i mean pretty much right off the bat you know like the kind of film you're getting into as soon as you see that that billboard you're like okay this is not taking itself seriously oh no and they're no the the town (laughs) residents are like happy about it they're like you know they're dancing around the toxic waste dump the the sign i'm just like the sign has like flowers all around it and it's and like the background music like goes from just being an 80s track to having like a man rifting and he's just like like it's so upbeat it's very like positive and it does not feel like you're entering a horror movie whatsoever then after we get the introduction and tell telling us about tromaville we get to go into the tromaville health club and this is perhaps the strangest health club i have ever seen in my entire life um there is a montage of just various people working out and I, I had to watch it a couple times. I, and I don't know if you caught all of the characters that are working out. There is like, oh, a, I caught yeah, there's like a gay couple that are like wearing Speedos. One of them's like, they're, they're, speedos. they're like G-strings. They're G-strings. <laughs> and one of them is like eating a, a banana and the other one is like dancing. There, There's a montage of like women who are working out like literally in bikinis. Yeah, there's a, there's a, like a very large... Uh, like a morbidly obese woman who like he does a slow turnaround to reveal that she's not in fact working out she's eating a sub sandwich and a chocolate bar um yeah while while they're doing aerobics yeah this i I will say that this um health center i do not like to work out i have uh, a lot of um a big struggle in my life trying to motivate myself to go to a gym if gyms were more like this place i would probably be more willing to go because what a cast of characters i mean you got the whole town living it up in this gym and everybody's having the time of their lives well aside from the people who are literally working out so hard they look like they're about to have an aneurysm Oh my God. Yeah. And it's, there's literally like five pieces of equipment in this workout. Did you, did you notice that too? There's like oh, yeah. five, there's like five pieces of gym equipment, but the place is packed and they're yeah. just dancing around. They're like doing push ups. I mean, there's people dressed up. It's just ridiculous. Oh, and then we get the, we get the lovely pop song that's playing over this montage about love the sound of your body talk. Body talk, body yes, talk. classic iconic 80s track yeah, that yeah. I've never heard of until now, but wish I knew. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Give me more of that. Give me if this whole movie was set in this gym, very much like um killer workout. If I got nothing but this gym, 
I'd be on board. Uh, because this is, like I said, quite a cast of characters, a great soundtrack. The wardrobes are absurd and the shots are obscene. Like they'll do shots of like women working out and it just the camera like moves in on their breasts as they're like working out their arms. Oh, and when they're doing like leg extensions, the camera gets right between their legs and they're literally wearing G-strings and the camera is like right there. This film is, this is a trashy film. This is a trashy film. It is not subtle. It, it is, is not, not subtle, subtle in any way. It is not. Subtle. Another thing I want to point out, and I want to point out early because it's going to come up multiple times, but a few of like the things that have come up in some of the last couple reviews we've done has been like movies in which people have you know voiced issue or concern with the content mm-hmm. being disrespectful or being handled poorly, and we've disagreed on that to a certain extent. You know, meaning like you and I both kind of sit in the same place. That, uh, for example. Sleepaway Camp, I personally don't really find it offensive. That's just me. And you don't either. This movie, (laughs) the test of time has not been kind to this film. This movie is very gratuitous. Um, and and, And, you know, it's a comedy, but the comedy is very much of the era. And it's like so vulgar and so obscene. And I can, you know, appreciate that to a certain extent. But looking at it now, it does not age well. And there are so many moments in this film that nowadays it's like if i laugh at it i almost feel like wrong or guilty and it, i i personally don't find a lot of the humor funny um but there are some specific moments in this film that i was like oh god that was cringeworthy like that really made me uncomfortable hearing that joke and like it kind of started when they saw like the depiction of the gay characters and like i was like okay that's kind of cute that's kind of funny i can live with that and then there's a plus size person who's portrayed as being the awkward morbidly obese person like okay haha that's a fat person okay mm-hmm. and then like it just gets worse it just goes downhill from there but it starts right away there's a lot of stuff that I, again I, yeah it's there yeah we'll get, that's all i can say we'll get there anyway so basically the whole the story of this film is within this health club the janitor is a nerdy guy and when we say nerdy we are talking like the just extreme portrayal of a nerd and it's melvin yes melvin is very difficult to look at Uh, he makes a lot of really big over exaggerated faces uh he doesn't deliver a single line with an ounce of reality or humanity it's all just for like stick value and um his face just (laughs) i mean he's a unique looking individual um, and perfect for this role, I suppose, but he is not at all relatable or believable whatsoever. No, he reminds me of just like a, a Giltberg Gottfried on crack. Everybody in this movie is on crack. Yeah, <gasps> just these crunchy, the scrunchy facial expressions. He can never see his high-pitched, screechy voice, yeah. his big moppy hair. But there is a group of four people that work out at this gym. It's Bozo, Slug. Is it Slug and then Wanda and Julie? Yes. Yeah, so this is a uh, a quadrette of <laughs> gym rats, apparently, because they're always at the gym, that do not like Melvin, especially Bozo. They're sitting in a hot tub and Melba comes over to mop and they literally go off on Melvin and how he stresses Bozo out. Everything in this film stresses Bozo out. Bozo is completely unreasonable with his anger issues. Bozo needs to see a counselor 
or a therapist immediately. His the veins in his neck are constantly popping out. He's clearly using steroids, um, and he just has rage issues that are very, very uncomfortable. Well, and poor Melvin, he he accidentally dumps the mop into the hot tub with the with the four people sitting in it, and of course they you know, Bozo has to get up and grab Melvin and threaten to kick his ass and you know push him down and all that shenanigans and uh then then they're working out in a workout bench and this is where the film kind of gets a little bit gay because you know bozo's sitting there doing bench presses and slugs next to bozo and he's like oh bozo there's only one muscle you got to work out and he literally grabs his penis and rubs it um and i'm like okay who does that to another guy unless you are craving some dick because why would you care if another guy's working his dick muscle it was just awkward i don't know if you caught yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I will say, like, this movie has some gay gaiety sprinkled all throughout it. And I'll even say with those gay characters we mentioned earlier, while they are presented in a stereotypical way and kind of mocked, or mockery of, of, of a queer culture in general, um, they are never, like, mistreated or abused by people in the town. It's not like anybody gay bashes the actual gay people. Well, you know, well, because they're they're not even in the film. That, I mean, they're only shown as background yeah. characters with like side, side, dialogue. side dialogue. Yeah, I mean, they don't. They they're they're kind of you know inconsequential to the rest of the. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just there to make like sassy gay comments that are very sexual, like a lot of sexual innuendos. Yeah, yeah. There is that one scene in the barbershop coming up where one of the gay. Yeah, and and then Slug tells Bozo that he needs to work on his gut, and this guy literally is extremely fit, like. He's like, I don't have yeah. belly fat. And then he bozos like, oh, look at your gut. You need to work on that. It's just weird. Just weird. It is weird. Yeah. Melvin, this film, it's just, it's Melvin then after all this, this banter, Melvin catches Slug and uh, his girlfriend, which is um, Wanda, right? Yeah. They're, they're fucking on a locker room bench and Melvin watches them for a second and they catch him and he... <laughs> runs off in this like he screams and does this really awkward scream and then just runs off in this like with his hands flailing in this like exaggerated way and i I have to say i think a lot of this the the voices and the uh sound effects on in this film that are made by people's voices are dubbed in they they sound very dubbed in they do yeah they do and there's something to acknowledge with this whole moment is leading up to this passionate moment between slug and Wanda, um, they do share a tidbit of information based off of like a newspaper piece clipping that they're going over about the local series of drive-by murders, mm-hmm. basically where where someone is driving around town, running over innocent people, and they they basically right off the bat make it clear it's them. Um, and Wanda is like turned on by it, and this is what provokes the sex scene, and. Uh, so she's like mounting him and and <laughs> very graphically like making out with him. She's topless. Her tits are flipping and flopping all over the place. And Melvin comes in and he sees it and she looks up at him and she, she's like, get out of here or I'll kill you. <laughs> he's got like a switchblade. And it's so <laughs> yeah, yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> and that's when he's like, runs away. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Because that leads into the next scene where we find out that the people that have been doing these hit and runs, running people over, are these four, Slug, Bozo, Wanda, and Julie. And they are fucking thrilled about it. 
thrilled about it. They, it's a, it is a game where they get points for each type of person that they run over. And then this is like really like the first, you know, uh, I, I, this would not fly today, where they, they get a point, they get high points if the if they run over somebody of a specific ethnic group. And they they list off the ethnic groups. And of course, one of them is the N-word. They blatantly say it. Um, and, you know, it, it's very racist. And they're supposed to be they're supposed to be presented as villains. Like, I get it. But still, it's it's not. Um... I was going to say they're so gleeful about it. It's hard for it's hard to, like, think of them. Well, they literally have a chart. They have a chart in which they like show like a dog, <laughs> a, 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 an old person, like all the different things with like the points, the amount of points that they're going to get. And they say like a kid on a bicycle is 28 points. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, a child is like getting on a bike and the child's mother is like, you be safe now. She like waves them off. Like it's very like sweet and pleasant. And like instantly, you know, like, oh my God, they're going to kill this kid. This genuine, like he's like maybe a 10, 12 year old kid well, on a bike. Kid- kids under 12 are worth double points so yeah. they do see yeah. this kid on the bike and they drive by they, they they drive by him and the girls are waving at him and he waves back and they're like oh he's so cute and what do they do they proceed to back up and run the poor kid down they they run him off his bike there's a scene where his body like flies over the car he lands on the concrete and is crawling like bloody it's actually actually this is pretty disturbing this is one of the scenes that stuck with me as a kid as i mentioned at the beginning because i thought this was the most horrific graphic thing i'd ever seen in my life because this poor kid is crawling just moaning blood's coming out of his mouth his teeth are all busted out uh and again you're it's disturbing because it really is like a 10 year old kid this isn't like a you know a 20 year old trying to pass off as a kid this is a real kid and as they're driving away, they notice that one of the girls notices the kid is still crawling there. And she's like, wait, he's still alive. So Bozo proceeds to slam the car into reverse and backs over the kid's head. And we get a, we get a shot of the kid's head being smashed by the tire. The car stops and the girls get out and they take Polaroids of this dead kid whose head and brains are splattered all over the middle of the road. Yeah. You know, there's something about this scene and like, I have seen so many individuals brutally killed um, in so many films, in so many various ways, in so many ages and ethnicities and, uh, you know, countless, countless. And, And there's something about this specific scene that, sits very poorly with me and i don't know what it is exactly but i'm going to try to i guess verbalize it this whole movie has a sense of like comedy to it from beginning to end Mm -hmm. um and uh, you know it it is a horror comedy but it's not you know they approach everything with a a sense of levity and joy and a lightness to it so when it comes to some of these moments that are really dark and really um when you think of something like this happening in another film it would be handled in a way that would you know, be um, uh, a darker moment within the, the film. It would be something that would be really um, meant to make you uncomfortable or meant to make you um, feel bad. I'm trying to think of like a, of a film, like high tension when you know, you don't see it, but you know, the, the, the little brother is ki- is shot and killed and you feel horrible, you know, you feel horrible. And, but it like the whole movie is, dark and, and at that point that's not a moment of, of lightness it's not a moment of 
celebration and happiness for any of the characters, maybe for the villain, but like, you know, it's not, it's done in a way that like you feel like you just watch something that is looked at as a bad thing. And this, because this whole movie has the sense of slapsticky humor Mm -hmm. from beginning to end and they're loving this and this is how they get their kicks and this is how they get their jollies. There's no separation from this and any other comedic moment within the film. So like when this child is killed and his head is smashed open like a watermelon under a tire like it's um it's very disturbing and it it doesn't give you a moment to like catch your breath and really think about the fact like you just saw what you saw because instantly they're taking polaroids and it's these two beautiful girls like snapping photos and they're mm-hmm. celebrating it as i was watching it with my, my boyfriend and he was he, he like looked at me he's like why why would somebody make this? Like, I understand horror, but like, why, why is this entertaining? Like, why are you reviewing this? And I was like, I almost felt guilty. I was like, Ugh. um, because like, I get it. I get the approach that they take with trauma movies. And uh, I get that they try to do everything larger than life, but I don't know this, this, this sequence really did make my skin crawl and not in the right way. Um, so, uh, it, it does stick with you. This moment sticks with you. Uh, and it makes me almost feel guilty, for watching it. So that's just my two cents on this specific moment. Yeah, I agree. I guess the only saving grace in terms of what you're saying for me is, yeah, this, this is disturbing. Like I said, when I saw this as a kid, it thoroughly disturbed me. Okay. However, I have to say now the, and I know this is going to sound, you know, but the effect is so kind of hokey. Like you can really tell that especially in a high quality version of this film, you can really tell that it's it's a, basically a cantaloupe with a wig on it. So it, it it that kind of lessens the impact for me of the actual death scene. Now I, I do think like the aftermath of the kid laying there, like his body's laying in the middle of the road and his feet are crossed and his you can just see like a splatter of brains that have that's kind of disturbing, especially when the when the girls come and are taking Polaroids of this and are just laughing giddily about what they just did and almost orgasmic that that's, that's disturbing. I feel like the effect lessens kind of the impact of the death for me. Anyways, it's sort of like, I want to go back. It's sort of like a Serbian film. Okay. A Serbian film gets tons of hate vitriol because of the scene with the baby. Okay. Have you seen a Serbian film? No, no, I'm not. And like, listen, I know I'm supposed to, but I have, I have not. (laughs) There are people, there are people that refuse to watch the film because there is a scene in the film with a, with a brand new baby that gets, you know, the baby's raped to death. And when I watched the film, I was, I kind of knew that it was supposed to be really extreme. And I was like, just waiting for this. I was like, Oh God, do I really want to? And then the scene came and it looked so ridiculous I am like, why are people upset about this? It's you can very well tell it is a plastic baby doll, um, and and they're just using a baby crying effect over the scene. But it's a plastic, it's a plastic doll. It's very obviously a plastic. And I'm like, okay, I understand the implication of the scene, yeah. but I feel like the visual impact just is not there to justify the vitriol and the hate that film gets. And it kind of like it kind of comes back to this film. Trauma films are notorious just for their shock value over the top gore, right? Um, and I think the scene is very much that it's 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 meant to be over the top. It's meant to be shocking. The gore effect is not very well done. You like I said, you can tell it's a piece of it's a watermelon or a 
uh, cantaloupe that has a wig on it. But again, I think the aftermath is, is disturbing and it is definitely memorable. Though I don't see a lot of people, you know, mention this film very casually or, or this particular scene. So maybe it doesn't have the impact that I thought it did or, or, or whatnot, but that's just my two cents. Yeah. And just to, to go off of this and we're, I mean, we're going to touch on this more as we go on, but another thing I think that really maybe sticks with me as to why I take issue with not only this child um, and the sequence with this kid, but also just these characters in general um, is they are presented in the first chunk of the film. I anticipate them being the focal uh, antagonist of the film because of what they're doing and the and the severity of what they're doing and how it's presented. It's in the newspapers. It's a big deal. And, and just the, the part they play in the evolution of the story, you know, they're pivotal to what happens. Um, but how the story evolves, they become very secondary. And I feel like they don't really like, while they do get what's coming to them in their own way, I'll, you know, we'll touch on it. They very much are kind of tossed aside for an alternate storyline. And that alone is disappointing to me because I really, I despise these characters and what they did and how they did it. And I wanted to see them get their comeuppance, you know? I agree. That is that it, you are, you hit the nail on the head with the, with, with one of the issues I have with this film is the, the, this is very much set up that it's going to be a, a revenge film ba- that is based or focused on these four characters, much like we talked about last week with Tamara, how it's set up to be a revenge film. And then it goes completely off the rails. This film does the same thing. I mean, the whole first 20 minutes of this film is setting this up so that these four characters can basically get the comeuppance that they deserve. And I don't think they do at all because of all the characters in the film, these four probably get the least graphic death scenes. Yeah. But yeah, it just transitions into a completely different type of film. And you're right. These characters are just sort of forgotten about it. And then they just randomly thread them in. It's like the filmmakers were like, Oh shit. Oh, we forgot about these four slug, you know, we, we better throw a scene in to show that, you know, they're still important to the plot. Right. But yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And what they're doing too, like it's approached as, as a big deal. This, this drive by murdering that's happening is kind of presented as one of the main dilemmas in the, in the whole film in general, you know, and the fact that it's in the newspapers and you have this whole sequence, you're introduced to them doing what they're doing in this very vile way with this poor kid. And then it, it, even that's not even really addressed again in the sense of what they've been doing and the, and, and how it's affected the storyline. Um, I don't know. We'll get to it. That, but that was my thought. It seems like we're on the same page. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, a, that you know, a, the de- a death of a child in a film does not affect me. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. I'm saying that this particular death and, like the, the Serbian film, when it looks so blatantly fake, I think that lessens the impact. Yeah. But again, I was, I was, dis- I, I, when I saw this as a kid, I was deeply disturbed. I mean, I'd never seen a kid be murdered in a film before. Um, yeah. This was the first film that I ever saw a kid be murdered. So it d- definitely was memorable. So it stuck out in my head. So when I watched it this time and then saw the effect, I'm like, oh, okay, it's still disturbing, but I mean, it's kind of over the top, just, you know, goofy gore. Um, but yeah, nobody wants to see kids get killed or dogs. And we will talk about that. Oh my God. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Uh, so yeah, and then th- there's a transitional scene with with the, an, an aerobics instructor, this male aerobics instructor, uh, teaching aerobics class, and of course all the the people are in there, and he's like, oh, you got to do what I'm doing, you got to follow my, because you have a just a hodgepodge of there's obese people, there's old people, there's skinny people, there's young, and they're trying to follow this aerobics instructor, and the, of course the obese girl is still in there eating her hoagie trying to dance around to the aerobics instructor. And he's like, you got to follow my lead. And of course, um, is it slug? Yeah. Slug puts a snake down his shirt where he got a snake. God knows, but he put, he puts it down this aerobic structure shirt. And of course the aerobics instructor starts doing all these crazy moves, trying to get the snake out and all the, his pupils are start doing these crazy moves and they're all on the floor doing all this. It's kind of funny. It's stupid. There's no point to it. This is the level of humor we're talking about, folks. This is the level of humor we're talking. Exactly. It, it's, it reminds me of like an episode of something you'd see like in, I don't know, an 80s sitcom. Name any 80s sitcom. This is what you'd see, which is, you know, this comes from the 80s. So it's very fitting. Yeah. And we're not challenging anyone's brains with this movie. No. Uh, in, in fact, we may be uh, burning off a few br- uh, brain cells watching it. it is definitely not intellectual fare, but um, it, it's funny. You know, there are moments that are funny and, and some of these sticks are funny to watch because they're very of the, of the era and they are very dated, but it is very um, much a time capsule of, of the eighties to an extreme, the wardrobe alone, my God, the wardrobe alone. Okay. And now the next scene is Julie. They're going to, they decide that they're going to play a prank on Melvin um, because of course he's a dork. So you got to play a prank on him. So the prank involves Julie who is, she's gorgeous a and B I think, and it's not like we're talking about a high-class group of thespians in this film, but for me, she is by far gives the best performance in the film. Julie. I, I, yeah, the blonde. Yeah. Uh, and again, again, Roger, I know it's not saying much. I mean, I know this isn't Judy Dench and Kate Blanchett, uh, but I, I I think that she gives the best performance in the film. I, I She's not cringeworthy. She's not over the top. It's just very, she plays the character very much like I think it was expected, you know, like it would come off on, on paper. I do feel this is a movie in which they were directed, the cast in general was directed to go bigger. But she, but I don't even think, but that's the thing is, I think she is the character or she's the actress in the film that does not do that. Um, that, that is actually pretty, uh, dare I say this word, because we are talking about uh, toxic adventure. And again, feel free to disagree with me. It could just be this film is full of terrible performances. So I'm like, oh my God, there's somebody that actually, I think that she's the most realistic in terms of the character and the the motivation of the character she's not screaming she's not like yelling every five seconds like all the other characters are she's not making crazy goofy facial expressions it's just very much this is a blonde sexual blonde yeah i'll i'll agree on that because the 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 male counterparts are pretty difficult to watch especially bozo um i mean you you've heard the, the term chewing on the scenery well i assure you this is a buffet and every single actor in this film is gorging on it and um it is just big performances it, it does not even do this film justice they are so over the top everything is just so exaggerated and again it's trauma i get it and if you go in expecting that you're going to get it but if you go in not really knowing a lot about it i assure you 
uh, it's going to be a difficult experience to get through. Oh God. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like people that aren't familiar with trauma films, especially maybe like a lot of younger horror fans now, you know, like young teenage horror fans or, you know, even that are, that are not familiar with what trauma is. If they tried to watch this, I would love to see their reaction. I would love to put a bunch of like, I don't know, 16 year old, 17 year old kids in a theater that are horror fans and have them watch this and just see what their reaction is. Right. Um, I don't know what it would be. I don't know if they would just get a kick out of and just laugh at it for being funny. I don't know if they'd find it offensive. Uh, uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. We talk, we talk about, you know, offensiveness and, and movies getting called out now for being offensive. Well, look at this film. This film kills a kid. This film, you have a white character using the N word very blatantly. Um, I, I just, it's just, it'd be interesting. Yeah. So the joke is that she is going to lure him. She acts like she wants to have sex with him. Right. And she tells him, she tells him to meet her in the locker room, like at seven 30. Uh, and he does it. Of course, when she's talking to him, she's wearing like this skimpy bikini. Uh, and he is just like, you, like you said, bless his heart, you know, just, just a difficult, <laughs> just a difficult actor to watch the, the, just the way he acts. I, I can see why people did not like this character because he does himself no favors at all. So she, he does, he meets her in the locker room and she approaches him and she wants to have sex with him. And she takes her top off to show her tits, of course, but she, she tells him, you know, Melvin pink is my favorite color. So before we have sex, if you want to turn me on, you got to wear pink and she gives him a pink tutu. She tells him to put it on. And he does. He's all excited. He's like, but first he's like, oh, I don't know. But she, and she's like, I got my pink on. And this is when she takes her pink top off. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. All that goofy fucking laughing. It, Chattering God, is God, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's my ridiculous. God. It's so uh, much. But he goes and changes into the tutu. You know, so now we have this. 90 pound skinny as a rail dude with a mop curly hair praying around the uh locker room in the skin kite tutu pink tutu holding a mop over his shoulder like it's a you know a gun or something praying around and he goes into the dark pool room which is dark now and you hear julie saying melvin melvin come here i'm ready for you melvin so he follows the voice and then he grabs something and starts like french kissing it and the lights go on and we see that it's a well, he's kissing a a pig, right? No, it's a fucking sheep <laughs> in a brazier. And he's making out with this goat. And all of a sudden, all around him are all the people from the um from the workout facility. They're all watching him. And they, the entire gym, the entire gym. everyone's there. And they start laughing at him. It's very Carrie-esque or very slaughter high-ish. I got questions though. I got questions. Oh, I have questions too, trust me. First of all, okay, I understand that I need to suspend reality for a bit with this movie, but listen, he, you're trying to tell me that she lures him into this pool room, the, the, into the swimming pool area, convinces him that she is, in fact, the sheep or goat or whatever, who they, in fact, have a brassiere on and <laughs> lipstick and a wig. But I, I am sorry. A sheep, goat, whatever, is covered with a layer of fur, it does not feel like a human. The, the jaw structure alone is, is a snout, 
or it is not <laughs> human-like at all. And so he starts making out with it in pitch blackness. How did you get that volume of people into that room without making any audible noise? You're in a swimming pool. You're in a swimming pool. Everything echoes. It you'd hear every footfall. You'd hear everything. And somehow, some way, they managed to get roughly 50 people into this room perfectly placed around this goat and man sensual moment without him being aware. I can't buy it. I can't buy it. But you know what? Why am I even asking with this movie? Don't because here's the thing. This prank does not end well for Melvin, right? He freaks the fuck out. He freaks the fuck out and takes off running and again, making these ridiculous noises, (laughs) crying noises. And they're just close up on his, his grimmest face. You just want to punch him. And the kid, the people are like chasing him, laughing at him. And he proceeds to jump out a window. Like Sally fucking Hardesty from the Texas. Like Sally Hardesty through the glass, busts through the glass. In the meantime, we forgot to mention a toxic, a truck carrying toxic waste barrels with no lids on them. And they're they're not even tied down. They're not tied down. They're big barrels full of this bubbly, toxic waste that they didn't put lids on has pulled up and parked underneath the the window of the fitness club. So the drivers can do cocaine, mind you, which everybody in this movie, it has to be doing cocaine. Their their faces are covered in cocaine because Melvin lands headfirst into one of these open barrels of toxic waste. So this is a prank that didn't go well. I just want to say this, okay? I've seen several movies that have pretty cruel pranks, right? carry pig blood slaughter high you know where yes. the the yeah. they put a, a marijuana or they put they give him an exploding marijuana thing and it causes the acid to splash in his face carry two i've seen movies with horrible pranks we all have right camera camera lest we forget mrs claus the beginning of mrs claus people uh, there you yes. go. There's maybe we should uh, maybe our fans should check out mrs claus and see for themselves but here's my point those all have extremely justifiable reactions because of the severity of the prank right right this prank are you telling me that kissing a goat was so traumatizing that you are going to throw yourself out a second story glass window i don't know that that's that's what st- i i feel like the the joke should have been for for the consequence of the 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 joke what happens the joke needed to be way more severe than what it was. I mean, I, you, you kissed a goat. People do that at, at a fucking petting zoo and you don't throw your. I would kiss a goat. I'd love to kiss a goat. Bring me one. I'd be thrilled. You don't throw yourself off out of a window because you kissed a goat. And I don't care who's laughing at you. Who cares? They've been laughing at this guy the entire time he's worked at this fucking place. So why all of a yeah. sudden is he going to throw himself out of a. Second story, glass yeah. one. Okay, try. I'm overthinking. This is Toxic well, Avenger. No, no, but also, also, this does lend another thought another I have on this whole sequence. Okay, so the group of individuals who have planned this joke on Melvin were previously shown driving a vehicle over a child's <laughs> head. Are you telling me that their idea of like vengeance on this awkward nerd is well? We're seeing is this goat in a brazier or this sheep, <laughs> this this luscious, curvaceous sheep? No, I'm sorry. They would have lured him somewhere and 
I don't know, killed him. Something. something. I mean, we've, like I said, I'm not going to dwell on this, but we've seen teenagers in horror movies come up with better pranks than this for crying out loud. Come on. Yeah. I just did not feel like this was nearly (laughs) severe enough. It does not warrant the response. It It does does not. not. But anyways, and then, uh, then he follows in this bubbling um, barrel of toxic waste. He gets out and this is actually a pretty disgusting scene. I, I feel like this is, there are there are there are moments in this film when the effects are just hokey as fuck, and then there are moments in the films when the effects are actually pretty damn impressive. I feel like this is a moment where the the effect is pretty damn effective. It's pretty gross. He is he comes out of the waste barrel and he's just flailing around on the ground, screaming. It's really disturbing. His I mean his body is starting to like burn and yeah. bubble, and in the meantime. All of the people from the gym come down and are like laughing at him. Yes, this man is obviously like in pain, dying. His skin is melting. His skin is bubble, like literally big bubbles are popping and squirting pus everywhere. And they're like, look at him. A cop comes, a cop comes and tries to like calm everything down and he touches him and his hands proceed to start burning. They literally catch fire. And, and nobody really seems all too phased. No, even b- by Bozo's like, oh, he's faking. He's faking. What? He's he's faking the fact that his, his skin is blistering. And it is a, really, it is a grotesque effect. I will say, like, it is a well-done effect. You see, like, massive bubbles just mm-hmm. pulsing on this guy's arms. And it is, it's gross. And yeah, he's like, he's faking it, which is actually pretty funny when you think of the situation. Because there's no way that this kid is faking it. But um, he eventually just gets up and fully engulfed in flame runs which we have seen now in two films by the way lest we forget um uh memorial valley massacre he just runs away on, on fire he runs away on fire when we see him running away he his body is fully in flames but somehow he gets home and is able to get in the bathtub right so he's in the bathtub his mother is banging on the bathroom door wanting to get in and all he all she hears is him like screaming in agony he while he's in the bathtub he starts to transform he pulls his hair out his 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 head starts getting all deformed his arms start growing he gets up and looks in the mirror and it's a pretty it's a pretty cool transformation i think until it does this real until it does this really stupid like thing in slow motion i don't know if you know what i'm talking about Towards the end of the transformation, there's this like really stupid thing in slow motion where he's like lifting his arm, his arms up over his head, and it's it looks a little ridiculous. And in the meantime, his mom is like, "Oh, oh, my baby boy, he he just he must have started puberty." <laughs> I did like that line because like the growls that you hear coming from the bathroom are like so like not human. They're like just these monstrous roars, and the mother is so proud. Um, but I will say one thing I liked, like I thought it was smart with this film because this movie is anything but subtle, but um, they chose to like not really show his face for uh, the early portion of the film. You know, you, after the transformation, like you see his physique and you see his body. He's obviously played by a new actor. Uh, thank God. Um, and this actor has an unusually nice ass in that spandex. Um, yeah. But like, you know, you don't see the face right away. And I think that was a wise call because, I mean, at the end of the day, 
we all know what the Toxic Avenger looks like at this point. You know, if you're a fan of horror, you know anything about trauma. Um, but that reveal, when it comes, at the time it comes and everything, there's still like an air of mystery and you're really wanting to see the full makeup effect. And I like that they didn't just give us the whole the whole thing right off the bat, you know? Yeah, I agree. Anyway, it cuts to a scene where there are a group of guys, I guess, for lack of a better word, because one of them is, one of them has a, has a wig and a dress on. You're talking about nipples? Cigar face, knuckles, and nipples. Okay. I, (laughs) I did not catch the fact that. Pretty sure that, because they referenced knuckles and nipples and a couple times, and I'm pretty sure that we're talking about nipples. And if we're going to talk about offensive characters, (laughs) again. I let me throw nipples. In well, I'm, well, that's in a, right there. I'm offended by that name. I'm sorry. No, nipples. Of course, it is, nipples is the biggest stereotype you could ever like throw out for a crossdresser or like a what they maybe think is like a trans person. I don't even know what nipples is supposed to be, but it's offensive. <laughs> so go on. It's so weird. Yeah. Okay. I knew cigar face. Okay. So apparently I have knuckles and nipples too, people. I, I learned something new today. Uh, nipples is literally a, a man in a wig and a dress, but it still acts pretty masculine. Right. I would say, well, I mean, because he's kicking this cop's ass nipples. that talks with like a really like high pitched voice and is very like flirty and all like talking about sexual things because that's what apparently queer people do um and but then like when the fight starts because a fight does begin nipples like <laughs> first of all saying saying the name nipples is really hard to get through but nipples jumps in <laughs> and like full dress like starts like doing like martial arts which is actually like kind of impressive but let me throw out here right now having the character of nipples in this specific scene <laughs> is extra problematic because so Garface early on in the, in the, the sequence very aggressively uses the term faggot as a, as a derogatory term towards a cop. And it, it just does not sit well. Again, things that don't age well, uh, nipples and faggot do not go together. And um, it was really hard <laughs> for me to swallow that pill. Uh, <laughs> this pill, it's a horse pill it's a big pill and i'm really trying trying to swallow it but nipples just did not rub me the right way to begin with and then you got cigar face calling the cop a fucking faggot and uh uh, yeah go on (laughs) well they yes nipples knuckle face and whoever the other one cigar face i guess they're beat they're 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 gonna murder this cop okay and they beat the shit out of him including like you said nipples had some pretty impressive kung fu moves there in her dress but they get the cop down and Cigar face, right? Cigar face yeah. is getting ready to shoot him in the dick. Yeah. Well, first he puts a cigar out on his face. He's like, let me show you. Yes, that's why he's called cigar face. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and of course, nipples gets all excited about the fact that they're going to shoot his dick, right? Yeah. She's making sexual comments and ooh. Yeah. Um, but lo and behold, right when they're getting ready to kill the cop, who shows up? It's the monster. Melvin. It's, it's, it's Melvin the monster. And he proceeds to beat the shit out of the group. Yeah. I, I can't even go into the scene. It's I okay. There's eye gouging, there's dick grabbing, there's head crushing. There's a punching of a head like it is a punching bag. And like it's like like this movie. Every time you think it's hit a certain level of absurdity, it takes it like a step further. And there's certain points where I'm like, 
I just can't do it. I can't get through it. And this is one of those moments I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like when he starts punching the guy's head like a punching bag, like I'm like, there's uh, there's no aspect of reality to this whatsoever. And I get it. I get it. Again, it's trauma. And even with the whole offensive element, like there are already so many offensive things, but you gotta keep in mind, like, I think one thing trauma leans into is being offensive. So like, okay, I get that's what they want as well. So I guess if that's what they're going for, they've very much succeeded. It's just some of the things that they found like offensive and humorous today by today's standards are just offensive and not funny. But like this whole sequence, it's so far out there and so over the top. Um, that if you're coming into this again, wanting any, anything even resembling a horror movie, it's, it's not here. It's not in the scene at all by any means, because yeah, you get an eye gouge, but it's like also a person in a dress who with with facial hair, who like (laughs) is like making sexual commentary, like jokingly sexual commentary throughout the process of this Kung Fu fight. It's so absurd. It's cartoonish is what it is. It's very cartoonish, but yeah they again it's it's a fight scene like i said over the top cartoonish um but basically what it sets up is the fact that the monster now is sort of becoming known as a hero because he is going to he fights off these bad guys the cop the the cop who the monster saves is like goes and tells everybody hey this guy this, this this monster showed up he's a hero he saved me and so it kind of gets set up that you know this this monster is going to be a hero, a crime fighting hero that can, and that that sort of continues through the film right so melvin he after he does this he tries to go home knocks on the door why he just doesn't walk in who knows he knocks on the door his mom answers she's scared of him slams the door shut so he walks away making sad monster noises right and he goes to live in the city dump so we get a little montage of him setting his little his brand new little house up in the, in the city dump surrounded by toxic waste. Right. Oh, I guess <laughs> this, his, this poor guy. I mean, Melvin really is growing into a new man though. I'll say this, even his voice has matured into a very, like at times, very refined and masculine deep voice. That's obviously dubbed over. And then other times it's like, ah, I'm going to get you. Like, it's, it's weird. He has like two personalities. He has like, a voice that is very like educated and like, <laughs> like I said, like refined. And then his other personality is like violent and aggressive. And he does acknowledge that at a certain point. He's like, there's a part of me that just can't resist killing. It's, it's, it's very strange what's happening to him. I guess it's all due to the toxic waste. We get, we get, we get it set up for us that Tromaville is basically full of criminals. Apparently, I guess it has, a, it's just full of criminal, criminal activity everywhere, including the, the mayor who is morbidly obese because there is a scene of him and with a group of other, I guess, maybe city council people. We don't know, but this mayor is like, he's laughing about the fact that they are going to move. Like they're, they're trying to, they're obviously trying to grow the city um and they're going to move the toxic waste dump within like 20 feet of the town's water reservoir and they just think this is like the most hilarious thing ever so even well now it's getting set up that even the city's leadership is are basically shitty people that don't really care about everyone like the police force like the chief of police the 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 mayor every all of his cronies they're all 
awful, horrible people. And this mayor is disgusting. I don't know who voted him in. I don't know why people think he's reliable. He's very clearly not capable of doing his job. But at this point in the movie, you're starting to see the shift in focus lean into like this becoming an issue with like the political higher up of the city like that that's where you really start to see like the story turn in that direction and uh what we mentioned earlier with the whole aspect of like the four individuals you expect to see the revenge plot go through and you know be satisfying for a viewer it now leans into this political scheme uh with the mayor as the leader of everything and it really is like not very satisfying i'm gonna be honest like yeah he's despicable he's gross he's very hard to look at as are many people in this movie but um overall like uh, the characters are not like enticing enough for me really to want to know more it's probably the most boring aspect of the movie to be honest Mm -hmm. and the film becomes very repetitive as well as we'll see but um, the next scene after the mayor is a scene at the Mexican Palace restaurant, which must be the most happening place in Tromaville because it is packed with people just enjoying their tacos. Oh, they love okay. them. They love them. Uh, and, but it's broad daylight, but apparently these, these criminals don't care. A group of criminals, and they have names. Forgive me. I know one of them's Leroy, and then there's the one with the... Yeah, and we will be talking about Leroy because... Mama like go they, on. They come into the restaurant right away with guns a blazing and are there to rob the restaurant. And we have again the leader is Leroy. There is a guy that is kind of flamboyant in a way. He has like half of his face is painted red and half of it is black. That's Leroy. Leroy Frank is the one. Oh, that's- Frank, you're right. You're right. Leroy is not. You're right. Leroy is the one. Yeah, I, I was reading yeah. my notes wrong. Leroy is the one that has red and black. Yeah, he's he's actually. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah. He's then there's the other one. And then there's Rico. Yeah. Rico's number three. Rico. Rico. Yes, you're right. I, I was, was reading my notes. Leroy is the red and black face dude. He's kind of he's not really the leader, but he's kind of the most aggressive. He's one. the personality of the group. And uh, again, everyone is clearly on cocaine. Like I've never seen a cast of characters in a film more coked up than the entire cast of this movie. This ensemble in general had to be given a copious amount of cocaine because everyone is just so wired. And these three criminals are taking their performances all the way to the max. They're turned up to fucking 10 hundred. It's crazy. It is crazy. And this is a crazy scene. Uh, Leroy is extremely aggressive. He actually puts a gun in a baby's face a real baby a real baby this isn't this is a much more real baby than the baby in the serbian film the baby is screaming its head off the mother is the worst actress i've ever seen in my life let's be honest uh if this was a real mother i think the reaction would be way more extreme than it is whoever they got this lady and bless her heart they probably just found her off the street and said hey come in here hold this baby while we film it's probably the woman who had who provided the baby and like she wasn't an actor. It could be, but she's like just sitting there. Like, like there's really no reaction from her. Like this guy has a, this threatening to blow her baby's head off, and she's like, oh, There's like a close-up on oh. the baby with just the barrel of the gun at the baby. Like it is so over the top. Well, and apparently, I don't know. I went to the IMDB because I like to look what I and there was a piece of trivia that said this actor quit the film. Because he had to point a gun at the ba- at a baby, but he's in the. F- I don't see how he quit the film because it's the same actor. 
throughout the whole scene. Um, I don't know. It was weird. Well, go on the maybe he was supposed to come back at some point. Well, he gets killed. Yeah, valid. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's no coming back from that, huh? Uh, and then the um, then he like starts harassing this these this group of homely teenage girls, and again the reactions are just all over the place. I don't know. I was just noticing all the different reactions of the, I guess they're extras, right? The people playing the the restaurant patrons are just so all over the place. Some of them are just like sitting there trying to act scared. Some of them are like way over the top. Some of them are just not even reacting. It's, it's funny to watch, but there's a, a table of homely teenage girls that Leroy goes over and it's like, Ooh, you're hot. Oh. And then like very sexually is like sexually harassing her. Um, and then this, I, I'm, I guessing it's like a store employee, right. Comes out from the back. Yeah. It's like a restaurant employee. Who's like trying to like calm the situation? Yeah, he's like, just you know, leave everyone alone. You can just you know, I'll, I'll deal with you. Just just be you know, just stay stay relaxed. And Leroy shoots him, shoots him. He flies back, breaks through the the the, the wall, and lands, and he's dead. That escalated quickly, right? It did. I mean, like, and he blasts him right in the chest. He's bleeding from the mouth. And there's everybody in this movie who dies takes longer to die. And the average person, everyone has a moment where they're like, oh, like bleeding out of the mouth and flailing their arms. And it is. Yeah, there's a lot of big exaggerated death sequences in this film. And this would be one of them. Yeah, there's also a blind girl. Oh, my God, Sarah. (laughs) Let's talk about Sarah for a minute. (laughs) Well, I. I, I, What do I want to say? She certainly is no patty duke and a miracle worker in terms of acting like a blind person now is she <laughs> i would say like in a if we're going to do a, like a hierarchy of offensive things that happen <laughs> over the course of the length of this film sarah like the actress's performance of sarah as like a blind individual <laughs> is the top <laughs> the most offensive thing about this movie she's supposed to be blind but she like obviously a is not she's an actress who is not blind but she like her eyes are constantly full of wonder and fear and just like zipping all over the place. She's just looking all over the place. Like, Oh, you know, like, cause she apparently can't see. Um, but yeah, it is, it is another offensive trope that they really lean into. And I will say there are a few moments with Sarah's character. that are actually kind of funny. A few little jokes they, they pull off, but for the most part, some of the things they do with her character are, pretty uh off color you know well because she's gonna they, they realize she's blind and the other guy there's an african-american guy what was it what's his name did you say frank frank he's another you know okay so he actually is going to he's gonna he starts making passes at her and he's like oh i've always wanted to fuck a blind girl and sarah has a golden retriever seeing eye dog that barks at frank and frank's like oh hey hey uh leroy get this dog out of here and what's what's leroy do he says take him for a walk yeah and leroy proceeds proceeds to lift up his like double barrel shotgun and blasts the dog so hard that he slides across the floor on his stomach like he flies across the floor (laughs) and it is if you don't like seeing animals get killed again 
another reason to not watch this movie. However, there is a follow-up shot in which they're like, and they killed her dog. And you see the golden retriever laying on its side, clearly <laughs> breathing with like a giant makeup effect on the side of it. that it's so fake that you're like, almost like, you're like, oh good, the dog's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's clearly a doll. Yeah, it's like guts hanging out of it, but you, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But they kill it. The, the doll, that the dog that slides across the floor is obviously fake. Yeah. Like, let's be clear. It is very fake. And then when it is the dog that is laying there dead, with guts hanging out it is a pleasant golden retriever like who is trained to lay but can't hold his breath so he's like just breathing he's fine but it's it's actually very cute yeah well i mean yeah exactly if you don't want to see a dog get shot or this is not the film for you because it does show like it shows the bullet like go into the dog's side uh there's a close-up shot of like ripping into its side and the dog sliding across the floor and of course sarah's my dog what'd you do to my dog but frank wants some of this he wants some blind he wants some blind pussy, right? Because he gets her up on the, um, pulls her up and bends her over the table and is pulls her panties down. It's like, oh, I've always wanted some blind cornhole. So he is going to anally rape this blind girl, right? Yes. Yes. That is, that is exactly what he's about to do. However, just in the nick of time, the monster shows up. Yay. And here begins an a strange, very strange decision that they made in this movie of people's like decision to fight one another by kicking each other in the balls. I don't know mm-hmm. if you noticed this, Troy, but there is a uh, an ongoing series of jokes in this film of people getting hit in the balls. And this scene goes hard with the goring shots hit after hit after hit after hit people getting grabbed by the crotch people getting punched in the crotch people getting hit with flying objects in the crotch this scene just puts it all out on the table it's another one of these elaborate as elaborate fight scenes so there's no there's there's nunchucks there's a sword that's brought in there's everything but the kitchen sink that they're fighting with he that's toxic avenger rips off uh frank's arm one of the worst effects i've ever seen yeah it's horrible but then he like he he's beating people with frank's arm that's the type of film we're, we're talking about here it's but the this fight goes on for a little too long before finally the toxic avenger the monster finally murders everybody he um like for example he takes he milkshakes he, mi- he milkshakes death. i was yeah he milkshakes leroy to death he takes him in the kitchen sprays his face with or puts scoops of ice cream on his face sprays whipped topping on it and then proceeds to stick his face under a milkshake mixer and mixes his head and blood gushing everywhere and then he takes another guy and like takes his hands and puts them in the deep fryer and like bends the metal so that the guy can't get his hands out of the deep fryer uh so everyone's it's a fight scene that goes on but then everyone is is dispatched by by the by the moth frank is put into the oven uh like a pizza and the toxic avenger takes the blind girl home like the gentleman he is like the gentleman he is she's scared of him she's like i don't know i want my dog and can you and he's like well sorry and she's like can you take me home and she, he's like yeah and then they're just a corny romantic music as, as shots of them just walking him walking her home i will say this does lead to one of my favorite jokes in the movie in which they arrive at sarah's house and sarah 
takes like she steps inside and she goes, I better get my cane. And she reaches to a wall of roughly like 40 canes. <laughs> like, like the how many canes does this girl own? And she grabs one, the rest all just fall onto the floor, and she swoops it over and of course hits him in the, the crotch. An ongoing joke, as I've stated. Well, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one scene though I like actually when they first get to her place and she tells him to be careful because of the step. But then she trips and falls. She trips and falls on her face first. At least she's an endearing character. And she is a great love interest. Like she does not judge him. I will say the one thing that works in a film in which many things do not. One thing that works is the fact that because of Sarah and her being, you know, blind, she does not judge him at all based off of his physicality. And that is one of like the core messages of their relationship, which does translate for me. And I do appreciate that, that she, cause she's gorgeous. I mean, Sarah is beautiful and you see her eventually in a bikini and she's got an amazing body, you know, she's just stunning, but because of her you know, situation, she doesn't ever really know what, what he's become. Um, and then eventually when he does let her put her hands on his face, she's unfazed. And so um, I think that's a charming aspect of who she is. It makes her character a lot more palatable because she's used in an appropriate way to translate that message, despite some of the very crude and offensive jokes made in her direction. Uh, but yeah, so I do like that character and I do like some of the humor that they are able to crack uh, with her as well. Yeah, and she wants to make him. She wants to make him food. Are you hungry? Oh, it's peanut butter and jelly. Okay, she sure is. She sure is happy now, uh, considering the fact that she, five minutes ago her dog was shot and she was almost brutally raped. Uh, she is now. It seems like that doesn't phase her. She's she's thrilled now. She wants to make him a sandwich. She's very. She's very positive. This character is extremely positive. The cops show up at the restaurant. We get a scene of the cops eating tacos. I love it. It's one of the funniest moments in the movie. Yeah. As they're talking about all the different dead bodies that are around the restaurant, they're, they're like taking bites of tacos and be like, Hey, I have one that's deep fried over here. And then I'll like cut back to the, um, the uh, chief of police. And he has like literally an entire taco in his mouth. He's like nodding, like, mm -hmm. like <laughs> it is pretty hilarious. It's fun. It's fun. And yeah. And then the next scene is what you just said. Sarah wants to touch his face. She, he's like, no, I have a rash. And she's like, oh, you shouldn't be embarrassed to have a rash. Everyone's had a rash. Acne. Everyone's had acne. And then she says, well, can I see your palms? I read, I, I read, I can read your palms. So she reads his palms and she tells him that he's going to be a very important man. How she know? I don't know how she get, how can she read palms? If she's, I guess she's just touching his hands. I also think that's part of the humor of it. <laughs> yeah. Like when this character is is blind, how could she possibly, possibly read palms? But yeah, it, it, it's another funny joke. It lands. And then she's trying to go for a second palm and she grabs his cock. That's funny too. <laughs> and she's like, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Then it goes to a, a scene where they're, they're having some sort of like press conference uh, and there, there's this like you know what I'm, there's this like kooky doctor. Yes, he has every like supporting character has a different accent they've been assigned in this film, and this one is like, oh god, what is he supposed? He's supposed to be like, is he maybe like? Well, because the the one police chief is German uh -huh. and a, clearly a Nazi. This guy is supposed to, I guess, maybe also be like. German or something along those lines, maybe Russian, but it's a very exaggerated over the top accent. And he is agreeing with the fact that the monster only attacks bad people. 
And the doctor says, oh, being exposed to that toxic waste must have made him, given him an instinct to destroy evil. <laughs> and then he starts coughing uncontrollably and sneezing everywhere. So again, it's it's kind of in your face now that this that this monster is out to destroy bad people, right? So this is where the film really, like we talked about earlier, drops the whole, what we thought was going to be the focus of the film. And now it becomes like a crime, fri- crime fighting, like superhero yeah. type you know film which is a it's a disappointment it is a bit of a disappointment i mean there are some fun scenes there are some fun moments but uh, yeah this is at the point in the film where it starts to really lose me it just becomes so convoluted it's so i mean already this film is so big and over the top but this is really where it starts to kind of like deflate the balloon a little bit and we'll go on but that that is my personal feeling on this this specific turn of events and after this we get back to the gym we see that the gym is now a, a haven for drug selling apparently and again just the the different characters that are like working out at this gym it's just so ridiculous that it's just a hodgepodge of, of people and toxic toxic comes in the gym and there's the guy that was like the guy that's like the main drug seller is like working out on a weight bench and he looks like tom savini if tom savini gained half of tom savini in weight he attacks this guy and like puts his head under the weight it's one of those you know, bench press machines that you lay down on and you push the you push the weights up and then the, like the weights are on this pole thing that then goes back down so you have this like pointed pole right so he sticks the guy's head under that and lets the weight slam down and crushes this guy's head with the weight oh my god it's so violent and it's very violent this is one of the this is another one of those effects that kind of stuck with me when i first saw this film this is pretty gross and it's pretty well done um i i think yeah this is the kind of kill i was anticipating for wild man's kill when i watched final exam oh yeah 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 i did and i didn't get it which which is fine but this is exactly what i was expecting and but god is this like they take it all the way like it is after the head gets destroyed like it cuts to people screaming and then it cuts back to this coke dealer and he's like arms are still moving even though his head is like completely removed from his jaw up um, it is gratuitous and gruesome. It's one of the better effects in the film, though. It's really well done. I agree. And it's extreme. But here's my problem with it. It's, it's extremely violent and grotesque for this particular character who really his whole thing is he's he's a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, there's far more far worse characters in the film that deserve that sort of death than this guy. This is a guy we didn't even really have any relation to relationship with this is like the first time we're actually even seeing him in the film and for him to get this violent death and then to what follows what happens to the actual characters that set this whole thing into motion it just doesn't jive very well yeah but we do get after he crushes this guy's head the monster does go in and wanda who is probably the least developed of the four characters right absolutely she doesn't get a lot to do She's in a she's in the sauna and she's fingering herself pretty, you know, she's going at it. She's tickling her tootsie like this is not a public face. Like she's just up in it, just go going to town on it, loving it, enjoying it. But this is like obviously a public space because he walks right in. Like he walks right into the sauna and confronts her without question. 
Well, Roger, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been to a public gym sauna? I mean, I've been to a gay public gym sauna, which is called a bathhouse. And that is a different story. <laughs> no, I'm talking about a 20. I, I'm telling you, I've seen some stuff in some of these saunas, even in a 24 hour fitness for crying out loud. You got to take me to the gyms you go uh, to. Uh, right. <laughs> well, come to Houston. No, um, but but no, she's like literally fingering, fingering the hell out of herself. And of course, the monster comes in and he he lifts her up, he grabs her and sets her basically she's naked obviously. He sets her naked ass down on the coals, the heating coals that are heating the sauna and you can hear it sizzling and her ass is getting burnt to burn out and he's like, "Oh, what does he say? He calls her hot ass, something hot like oh, think think about what you do hot ass or something like that." I don't know. Would you die from this? I don't know. Well, like it cuts away, like it does like a hard cut to another moment, correct? Yes, it does. Like you don't see, like, yeah, okay. So yeah, your ass would be horribly burned. She won't be t- tickling her tootsie no more. But um, that being said, no, it would not kill her. And this is like one of those moments, exactly as we've said before, you just have this gratuitous, violent kill of a very minor supporting character, like a cameo. And now Wanda, who is one of the four who are involved with, you know, the car drive-by killings and part of the group that played the, the prank on him, she's what I would imagine to be a pivotal character, one of his arch nemesis, um, I, I would suspect. Um, and she's disposed of, she's dispatched just like eh, any other character, like a throwaway. And this really kind of starts to set a precedence for this film of like not really able to define who the actual primary villain in this movie is. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm guessing like, yeah, it's the mayor, but like, okay, I guess it's the mayor. Like he kind of just has cronies go do shit for him up until the very final scene. Um, Again, I would really have wanted to see, I don't know, maybe an amazing chase sequence of her topless, if need be. I don't know. You could have done something with this where the, you would have felt like you really saw her get what was coming to her. And it is just not satisfying. Like, I mean, okay, it's funny. Yeah, she's hot. She got set on some hot coals and he made like a, a quirky one-liner and it's done. Uh, I expected more from you. I expected more from you, Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it start, that's, that's what, that's how the film goes with these four characters honestly after he kills her he's in the alley and he's peeing and we can see it's like he's peeing like toxic waste that wet that toxic green toxic waste it's that's kind of funny disgusting it's one of the more disgusting things in the movie to be honest <laughs> uh and then this pimp shows up in a in a limousine and he has a 12 year old girl yeah. okay first of all we are three for three troy with our pedophile pedophilia pedophile references we have had too many pedophile moments in our last few reviews we gotta go for something more vanilla yeah right i thought i thought it was a monthly theme but now we're into a new are we into a new month we're into june no no it's not june June yet yet. it's not june yet we're wrapping up may is pedophile month (laughs) And this is this one, and it's a pretty blatant pedophile. Like, oh, she's, I look at this twelve-year-old girl I just picked up, and she's like, I thought. He says, twelve years old and only twelve dollars. It's creepy. Yeah, he's he is literally selling this twelve-year-old girl 
for $12. He thinks she thinks she's going to a David Bowie concert concert. As you said, you were taking me to see David Bowie. The guy, this pimp has a bunch of like minions that come out, like literally like 20 guys come out of this limousine to attack. It's like a clown. It car. is a clown car that, that, that start to fight the toxic Avenger. They're going to, uh, they're going to try to kill him. but this is another fight scene that goes on way too long. Yeah. At the end of the day, this, this, question this buggles my mind he dispatches all of the pedophiles i mean i'm guessing they're all pedophiles because they've abducted abducted a child and they're trying to sell her to someone at random on the streets they uh so they've been all defeated he then takes the child and he walks her back to the limo and they both get in and it drives away does the driver of the limousine get off scotch-free with this I mean, is the driver of the limousine, does he just not know what's going on? Has he been hired for the night? Is he not aware of these men selling children? Again, I'm, I'm overthinking things, but. Apparently not. Apparently not. No, that's a good question because I'm assuming if this is a pimp, that this is his personal driver, right? Yeah. I guess the Toxic Avenger is very picky and choosy about, you know, who he kills. and That's a good trait to have in a hero. Uh, he takes the girl home, and then there's like ma- a montage of him just saving random people, right? There's he, oh my god, it's so he much. saves two little boys that are sitting in the middle of the street from being hit by Slug and Bozu again. Helps this little old lady cross the street. He reaches through a window and helps a woman open a, a jar of nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's popcorn, and it actually when he t- when he touches it, 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 it pops. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Oh, it's ridiculous. And then he saves a baby that was in a tree or something. Where was this baby at that he saved? <laughs> I, I I don't even remember. This whole <laughs> good deed montage, A, went on far too long. And B, he's helping everybody everywhere. It doesn't make sense because he's not... That was never like mentioned as one of his traits. Like it wasn't like, oh, this is a this this guy is also this guy does good deeds for people. He's good. His trait was that he he kills, finds and kills bad people. There was nothing about, oh, this is going to be like a guy that just goes around town and just helps everybody out. But this movie really is not a film that I would say if you're looking for a like fleshed out, well thought out storyline with really strong. Um, ideals and really has a good idea of what it's trying to say. This movie is not one of these movies. This movie is kind of just a bunch of bullshit thrown together with sticky fight sequences and uh, absurd kills. Um, so yeah, again, why are we even questioning <laughs> it? Why? And I will also acknowledge that um, there is a moment that it cuts to the two gays who, of course, <laughs> are both stylists at like a salon. And they're like, have you heard about this monster? Oh, I think he's so handsome. And the other one is like, well, I heard he prefers blonde. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I Like, it's cute. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, but the the monsters become a hero now. There's there's newspaper montages of like uh, the newspaper spinning around and saying "Monster Hero Saves the Day." There's uh, t-shirts. There's, there's t-shirts there's for sale everywhere. T-shirts, monster. I love the Monster Hero t-shirts. Um, the monster has basically now, as we find out by the mayor, has cl- has cl- has cleaned the streets. There is there's no criminals left. Yeah, they actually show the prison and it is brimming. It's packed. With- with criminals which is yeah. odd because doesn't he kill criminals again 
<laughs> why are we questioning this? <laughs> Maybe the criminals are so intimidated and fearful that they just. I mean, he. This is a guy who crushed a coke dealer's head in a weight bench. Yeah. So who is he taking to prison then? Like and letting petty theft. Petty, petty theft, like children stealing candy bars. Um, I feel like maybe they get away with prison, like nine-year-olds stealing candy. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it leaves the story leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Well, the mayor, the mayor is not happy. He is like, you know what? This monster is gonna find out that we're criminals because he's basically caught every criminal in this city except us. So we're gonna kill him. So the mayor orders people to kill the monster. And the first attempt is when the, a group of men attack the monster in an alley and they all circle him and pull a gun out, right? They pull their guns out and they shoot. But at the very moment they shoot, he jumps and they shoot each other. So they're all, <laughs> they're all dead. They, instead of shooting the monster, they shoot each other because he gets out of the way. That was easy was that easy it was that easy <laughs> but you know what I, I i kind of appreciated it because it was not a long it was not another long out drawn cartoonish fights yeah yeah it was quick it was to the point okay okay we don't have to deal with that we don't have to i don't have to watch another five minute goofy head getting punched like a punching bag scene yeah there's also a moment where sarah is outside like waiting <laughs> and yeah. a group of men like come over and like instantly without hesitation are attempting to, to rape her. And I'm, I am, why? It's broad daylight. Why are, is every man in this movie trying to rape this poor blind woman? Like, is this a common thing that happens, whether it be in Tromaville or in reality? Do, do blind people have a higher risk of being raped in general because they can't see or defend themselves? Which is very unfortunate if that's the case. But literally, this, it's been days between rapings. It has been days. And and Sarah's like, my boyfriend's coming. He's coming. And she calls for him and he comes. And uh, the guys all just take off running because obviously his face is melting and he is grotesque and terrifying. Well, and after that, we get another love song montage. There is this, not only did we get the, the body talk song, we get this love you, what, love you forever song, or I'm so in love with you. I, I don't know. I'm assuming this came from the same tr soundtrack as Party the Whole Night Long from Evil Laugh. I, 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 uh, but, you know, the, the song Party the Whole Night Long, at least is like tongue in cheek. The music that they use in this film, like, and I tried to listen, but like, it's kind of hard to really hear the lyrics, but they sound, they sound like music I would hear on a classic 80s channel. Like, they, they don't sound like they're like, sticky or funny they sound very much like music of the era that i would hear on any soundtrack i feel like i would hear it in like a lethal weapon mm -hmm. i don't know something along those lines it's just like an average everyday love song and um it's very strange because it's such an absurd concept yeah it is it just doesn't fit but then she gets finally gets to tell him she finally gets to touch his face and she's like you're beautiful melvin and then they fuck question i have a question too about this so i wonder if i wonder i wonder if your question is the same i bet you we have the same question <laughs> earlier in the film we saw him in an alley peeing yep 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 same brain we have the same brain he was peeing green slime so does is he coming is he coming toxic waste into this poor girl i don't care if they're using protection or not <laughs> that it would burn through the rubber she would be obliterated from the inner <laughs> like she would be 
gutted, melted. We would have like a body melt sequence unlike anything we've seen before in any movie. It would be disgusting, but she seems fine. This girl has to have a cervix of steel. I mean, I was going to say this. She has a pussy of steel because he pisses toxic waste. So I'm assuming he ejaculates toxic waste, right? Uh, or something worse. <laughs> he comes in her. I mean, it's very, I mean, this is a pretty, I mean, it's not graphic, but you watch them. He's like, you get a close up of his ass going, going to town. And then he comes, you can tell because they stop. And, you know, he's like, oh, and I'm like, okay, he just, he just shot toxic waste into this girl. Yeah. <laughs> How is she not uh, mutated? How, like, don't you think it would do something? But she seems fine. Yeah, yeah. I, that, you know, what would have been a really good twist, uh, storyline twist for this movie that they should have thought of is after that happened, that should have been what gave her sight. Oh, see? See? Mm-hmm. Because of what the toxic waste does, it gives her vision, and not only vision, superior vision. She can see for miles. Just an idea. We'll try that one out. And when we remake the toxic avenger yeah oh well we'll talk about that right okay so they they fuck uh and she makes some eggs and eggs after they fuck and poorly because it's full of eggshells poorly because it's another blind she- joke. <laughs> <laughs> he loves them he's mowing down on them like there's nothing wrong with them there's like first of all she makes them roughly <laughs> 40 eggs i've never seen this many eggs the amount of chickens that they had to have providing these eggs it's a it's obscene and he's just and, it, and apparently them. if you're blind you don't know the difference between like when you crack an egg throwing the shell into the pan that you just cracked the egg in or the garbage can next to you because she leaves all of the shells in yeah she's portrayed as completely yeah. well it's uh, yeah really but i don't know she moves in with them too she moves into the toxic dump house with them yeah, instead of him moving into her sensible home which is a house they move into the toxic. T- they move whatever into the toxic- works. Yes, I don't know. Now we do get kind of a cool chase scene because now we don't. I don't know how long it is, how long it's been, but Julie, the blonde from the beginning, is in the workout facility, uh, and we get a nice chase scene. All Toxie shows up and is going to dispatch her. However, this gym, every time we have seen it, right, has been packed with people. Yeah. Now it's empty. Yeah. Well, because he's killing everybody. Well, no. He, <laughs> you said it's the coke, the coke hub. It, well, they're all in jail. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah. So. And another thing is, he walks in, and and without warning, like just attacks Julie. He, could he not have been more discreet? I'm sorry. I don't care if you're fighting crime or what the deal is. If I own that gym and you're coming in here and just attacking people willy nilly, like it's no big deal. You got to keep that. You got to take that outside, or you got to at least wait until she leaves. This is the second time that he's come to this gym and caused mayhem and murder. And yes, he killed, he killed a Coke dealer, but I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to just kill a Coke dealer and not have a punishment. I know you think you're doing a good deed and you think he's a bad person, but you're going to go to jail for just murder, the act of murder. So now this girl, who nobody knows, nobody really knows that she's in, involved with these hit and runs yet anyways, because it seems to be that they're still doing it. Um, it just to me, it would read as him attacking a random woman, and that would be problematic at my gym. Don't you agree? Yes, and it, it, you're you're exactly right because what happens here a few scenes later is virtually the same thing, 
in terms of him attacking someone that would be perceived as innocent, because you are 100% right. Nobody knows that Julie, this blonde is involved with these hit and runs, right? Nobody knows that. And nobody knew that Wanda was involved with this hit and run with these hit and runs either. And really nobody knows uh, in terms of like law enforcement or anything like that, that they played this prank on him that resulted in him being burned. Now I could not, I could not distinguish whether his motivation for murdering them is because they played the prank on them or because of what they were, the the fact that they're running people over, because then my question becomes, how does he know that they were doing that? So I don't know. It doesn't make much sense because yeah, Wanda was killed, but nobody said a word about it. There wasn't like, Oh, you know, innocent woman has her ass and pussy burnt. And there was no, there was no body reveal or anything. We don't even know if her body was ever found. Maybe, maybe he's taken the, well, we don't know what happens. And this is another example of us not finding out what happens to a character. We do get a nice chase scene, right? Through the, through the, through the gym. This is a pretty effective. And this is again, when I think that she is the best actress in the film, like I really, I really, honestly, she actually plays scared pretty damn well. And is actually her scream. Her scream is really good. She goes into this basement. I don't know what this is. It looks like a fucking. It's like the, the tunnels underneath the gym, the sewers. It looks like the catacombs all of a sudden. I don't know how she gets down there. I don't either, but she's running her little her life away and she tries to get into this tunnel and it's full of rats. I'm sorry. If I have she screams like she saw fucking, I don't know, Jason Voorhees and runs away. Okay, I'm sorry, Roger. If I had the choice between getting it and hiding in a thing that had rats in it or being chased by a fucking seven foot tall mutant toxic beast, I'm going to get in with the rat. I'm going to get in with the rats. I'm sorry. Yes. He is purposely trying to kill her. Like, yes, get in with the rats, hide amongst the rats, use the rats to defend yourself. I don't care. But she ends up just running into a corner of what looks to be a homeless man's small apartment and just, just like cowards. She does nothing. He comes in with a pair of scissors, a pair of scissors. From where? Where'd you get them? I don't know. But then again, this is a bit, this is the bitch that caused you to fall into toxic waste. She she trauma she apparently traumatized you enough to have you jump out a fucking window by having you kiss a goat and you're she gets the least violent death because what happens he raises the scissors and it cuts away cuts away oh my god I was enraged you know I literally had to pause and like simmer for a minute because if anybody in this film in my opinion should have had the big epic final kill or grandest kill or whatever it is, it should have been this bitch for an array of reasons. A, what you just said, she's the one that really, I mean, all four of them were in on it, but she was the, like the one they sent in to like lure him, you know? Um, B, she also was the one who really was kind of motivating everything with the hit and runs. Because if you think of the sequence of them in the car, she was really, really encouraging bozo and saying like what she wanted and how much it turned her on like she's like the sickest one of them all oh i agree and she has the worst death in the whole movie oh it's it's at least we get to see like at least we get a hint of what happened to wanda or at least we got to see some sort of punishment put on her Uh, we we don't exactly know how she died or what but we do get to see that this just cuts away 
I thought she was going to come back. Is the what is there? Part. Yeah. What is there? What was their thinking thought process on this? I, I don't get it. I really don't. I expect more from you, the toxic Avenger. I expected more. I, I think that's our problem, Roger. <laughs> we expect too much. They, well, uh, from trauma. Yeah. We're expecting a lot of things from a company that specifically crafts mediocre to subpar cinema intentionally making it honestly as bad as they can so like i mean in a way are they achieving their goals yes and then the next scene pisses me off too okay i'm just gonna go right there the next scene is slug and bozo they are fucking bozo screaming screaming that he's stressed because julie hasn't shown up and ah she's stressing me i need to go for a drive i need to go for a drive slug she's stressing me they don't have a car Okay, but the sweet old woman just pulled up in her little car, right? And she's getting her groceries. And this is a sweet old lady, Roger. This is a sweet old lady. And they're like, they go up to her and they're like, oh, ma'am, do you need some help? And she is the nicest old lady. She's like, oh, yeah, yes. She's like, it's so good to have (laughs) such a nice young man help me out. And what do they do? They beat the fuck out of her and take her car. They beat the fuck. They punch her in the stomach. But Slug takes her behind the car and takes her cane away from her and beats the shit out of her with it. And like, I understand that these individuals get their jollies off of inflicting pain on people, but this is broad daylight. It's broad daylight. And if you noticed in the background, there are people, people walking around. Like, it's not like this is ice. Uh, Nobody stopped to help this poor old woman. Shame on yeah. you. I think this is a film that really started to set the precedence of Tromaville being a town of absolute, <laughs> just like the scum of society. Like, I think that's the whole shtick of Tromaville. It's just awful people brimming with horrible people. And like, I get it. But after a certain point, can't you just nuke the whole fucking town? It's everyone's horrible. <laughs> Everybody is awful here. They are well, except this old lady. Yeah, and and they just killed her. They just fucking beat the shit out of this frail old woman. Her bones are like dust by the end of it. I'm sure because they're pummeling her with a cane. <laughs> well, they steal her car. Uh, long story short, or maybe it's already been. I don't know. They Toxie attacks. I'm calling them Toxie now. Toxic Avenger attacks the car and gets on the roof. And there's a extended chasing. Okay, this is another cop out oh, because he I know. he he grabs Slug by the throat and just tosses him out of the car. Easily survived. That did not. That did not kill. That did not. No, that did not kill him. That I'm sorry. That did not kill him because there is even a shot of him. He just lands and he rolls and he's fine. So what? Ha- and th- th- he's never seen again. He did not. I'm sorry. He did not die. So we have another character, one of these horrible four characters that just totally gets away with what they've done. But now he gets in the passenger seat with Bozo and there is a long, can we talk about this long car scene where they're just driving and the toxic Avenger is grabbing the steering wheel and the car swerving. It's driving through people. It's driving through shit. It's knocking people off ladders. It's driving through picnics. It's driving through uh, fucking farmers markets it's just doing everything i mean it's for literally the amount of lives that are endangered in the midst of this dramatic driving sequence 
countless, countless lives could have been lost all for one person. And I get it. He has a personal vendetta, but is he not out to, I don't know, protect the innocent? No, he's literally driving through crowds of people. I know people had to die in the midst of this, this big chasing or this big driving sequence. Like people had to die. There's no way that that man on that ladder didn't get killed <laughs> I was or the say, children in that park. Yes. You see people, you see a guy literally get thrown off a roof and fly under the cement. And how big is this fucking town? Because this car, this car chase goes on for a half hour. I, I, I don't know. And I will say it's very elaborate. I will give them, I'll give them the credit here. They must've put all their budget into that one driving sequence because it is the biggest sequence in the film and it is very elaborate. Uh, I mean, they're like, they are literally driving through billboards, driving through boxes, causing car accidents. Cars are flipping and exploding with people inside of them. It is <laughs> very violent. But yeah. And and ultimately, to end this, he grabs the wheel and, and Slug is like, give me the steering wheel. And Toxic, Toxic Avengers like, you want the steering wheel? He rips the steering wheel out of the driver's whatever panel and gives it to... <laughs> Give it to Slug, causing him completely. There's no way for him to control the car. The car drives off a cliff and explodes. Yeah. And at least I'll say with this is quite a large explosion. And we do see a reveal of Bozo's body hanging out of the car afterwards. And it is clearly charred. So, like, I mean, if anyone out of the four got a pretty violent death, it is Bozo. But, like, I'm sorry. I expected more from you toxic avenger but then uh toxic avenger does climb out of the vehicle unscathed because apparently he cannot be burned um another superpower he's possessed and he walks away yeah you're right it's it's bozo not i said slug it's bozo that gets that's in the car and uh yeah it gets burned yeah you do see the you do see the aftermath but i wonder i want to know this car literally exploded into excuse me into flames is the toxic avenger like invincible does because he's already burnt he can't yeah, I think we're going real loose with what powers he possesses thanks to the toxic exposure. Real loose. Um, and we're just, I guess, supposed to assume that every time he survives something or is not hurt by bullets or flame or any form of weaponry, it's just another power he now possesses because of his toxic abilities. And now if this film hasn't been wacky enough and just random scene after random scene enough, we get another one. We are now at Tromaville Dry Cleaners, Roger. And little Miss Haskell. This woman is so very, very petite. I've never seen such a wee woman in all my day. She is about two feet tall. And I'm not lying. I'm literally not. This is a little tiny woman, like about two foot tall. Yeah. I can hold her in my arms with no struggle whatsoever, like a baby, like a small child. Yeah. And she's an older lady and she's dropping, she's dropping her, um, son's pants off at the dry cleaners because he had a date the night before and she does not know what all these white stains are on the front of his pants and it is like saturated it's such he jizzed all over these pants and poor miss haskell must not know what jizz is even though she's had kids right i don't know the dry cleaner guy he is getting a ticket on her his car so he has to leave and he tells miss haskell now you just wait right there miss haskell uh, and as Miss Haskell is there, t- the Toxic Avenger shows up, and 
chases her around and it's kind of fun to see this like seven foot tall monster chasing this little two foot woman around. She's like a nugget. She's a little itty bitty. She's running down aisles and there's a lot of sticky moments where he's on one side of an aisle and then she comes out through a bunch of clothing and he's on right there waiting for, I don't know how or why. Ultimately in a very, my bloody Valentine esque way, he picks her up and throws her into a, into a dryer uh, and she, her bless her little heart. She is pounding on the dryer door. Let me out, let me out, let me out. And he turns the dryer on and she proceeds to be spun dry in this giant commercial quality dryer. Uh, and then he takes her out of the dryer and literally dry cleans her, presses her in the, <laughs> the dry cleaning prep. It's a satisfying kill. I'll say that it is, but. For the absurdity. Is the reveal great? No. For the absurdity. No, the reveal is not great because we do get a shot when the shop owner comes back in and he's, he sees her laying back there. He's like, oh, Mrs. Haskell, what are you doing? You can't be laying on that. And he goes, and we do get a shot of her face and it's not very impressive. It's just, it's just red. Like they didn't, they didn't actually go to any great lengths to make her look actually burned. Like she'd been through a dryer or a dry cleaning, but yeah, it's just the scene was the scene necessary. I guess it was in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, and I'm trying to string together some of the things of like the who's, what's and why's of how we got to this point, because, you know, it, it is in the next scene, it is um, brought up that she was actually the leader of like a um, sex trafficking ring unexpected did not anticipate that and i wonder if this ties into the situation with the girl the 12 year old girl earlier Mm. um, and all those all the men that he killed earlier i wonder if this is something if that's supposed to be what it is it's very vague and they did not do a good job translating it but that's like the only way that he would have found that out is what that's what i'm assuming um, because this is something other than this moment and that is not mentioned at all. This movie has a lot of weird little subplots that come up out of the blue, out of nowhere. And you're supposed to just like, I guess, accept it as reality. And like, yeah, this, I don't know. This was so fucking random. Um, and it's this little woman who seems so prim and proper and we, um, is apparently running a sex trafficking ring. Yeah, and that was my only question: is how would how would he know that she was doing that? Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe it does tie into that. Uh, but now the news, though, the news is because nobody really knows that she was doing this. Certainly not the public, right? So now the news is the monster has killed an innocent woman. So now there's people that are now turning on the monster and being like, "Oh, well, he's he killed a, a poor little." you know, petite old woman. We, we can't have that. We need to, we need to take care of this. And even there's even a scene with Toxie, Toxic Avenger, Toxie. I call him, that's what his name he's called in the sequels. There's even a scene where he's talking to Sarah and he's like, you know what? I'm out of control. I, I, you know, I, I got, we got to get out of here because of what I just did referring to killing Mrs. Haskell. And I'm wondering, like, why all of a sudden is he grown? He's he's growing a conscience, which is kind of interesting. But they want to leave, and he, they want to move, and they're going to try to escape. So there is a scene with them walking down the street, and he's wearing like a trench coat and like sunglasses. <laughs> he, he's like, "Oh, do I- yes, very, very obviously the Toxic Avenger." Nonetheless, they literally go. Their their plan to escape is to go, like, right outside the town in a tent. Yeah, it's very, very poorly 
informed plan. Um, I don't understand what they're trying to achieve here uh, or what, what they think that people are not going to know where they are. They're very easily discovered. They are. And New York City is super close because the opening scene, we got a scan in New York City, so it must be close. And, and Tromaville is in New Jersey, as we as we find out in, in all the trauma films, all of Tromaville is, is in New Jersey. That so, makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Go right across to New York City and blend in. I mean, you're a fucking monster. You're not going to really blend in. But to to literally, that's a much better choice than to, to go in the woods just right outside town in a tent in the middle of a field and not think you're going to be found. Um, but they they do, the, the police is having a conference with the mayor and they do, the mayor's like, we got it, we're going to kill him. Because the mayor has been wanting to kill this creature for forever because he knows that eventually he's going to find out that the mayor is a what he's up to and the, the mayor is going to get in trouble so he's like we i'm demanding you kill him we're not even going to tell anybody that mrs haskell was head of human trafficking it's not a human this is an it and you're killing it he gets on tv and he's like we're going to kill the monster it's an it yeah yeah because it is it is very much acknowledged that the um the police force knows that she was the head of this human trafficking ring um and for whatever reason was not brought to justice by them i don't know why i'm assuming this awful mayor plays something into that as well um but um that is how that information is provided to us is through this whole sequence of very boring rambling uh via the corrupt politicians and police force which is again just very ho-hum disposable uh, in the great scheme of things. And it builds up to a very anticlimactic finale. Yeah. And this film loves its montages as we found, because now there's another montage of several people saying that they did not, they don't want the monster killed. They don't want the monster killed. Uh, there's a scene of like people sitting in an ice cream shop talking about the monster saved my life. And I did notice there's like this one little girl that's eating an ice cream cone as the guy is talking about how the monster saved him. Apparently, I think this is the Mexican restaurant. And I loved it because she's like literally the whole time she's eating this ice cream cone, she's staring directly into the camera. Excellent. I got to say this, this film, it needs to be acknowledged for the extras. Uh, there are some key sequences here that if anyone's just starring this movie, it's the fucking extras at the gym, at the, the shops, at the fucking restaurants. They steal the fucking show. Well, yeah, we needed, you know what we needed? We needed Chris Jenner on this episode because remember he said he's the, he's the expert on noticing extras. He would have had a fucking blast with this one. I just, my, my eyes were transfixed. This little girl staring into the camera the entire time. The, 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 and I, I'm like, the. I say we have a, a special. Um, extra version of. This. Well, I say, I say that we have a, maybe every couple of weeks, we've got like a Chris Jenner special, like my top five extras of the week where we have Chris really just focus in on a couple films and point out, you know, at, at the hour and 10 minute mark, there is an, an extra featured in the ballroom sequence. If you look in, um, they have clearly vomited on themselves. Uh, you know, something, I want him to really give us some prime extra material because sometimes in a movie, an extra can save a scene, I feel. That would be fun. But anyways, because they don't, they're only a, a block outside of town, they are tracked to a tent. <laughs> Because they, they did not hide very well. I, again, it makes no sense. The mayor now is like calls the nat National Guard to, to come in and take care of this monster. How, first of all, how did he get the approval for this? Second of all, how did Troma manage to get real tanks? I don't know. I mean, it's impressive. I'm impressed that they got tanks. 
But the National Guard only wants to, they want to capture it. They don't really want to kill it, but he's like, mm, that's not, that's, we're going to kill it. So yeah, the National Guard shows up. There is a, a scene of tanks rolling down the streets of Tromaville, right? Um, yeah. And they show up at this tent and they are, they get the monster out and they are going to, the mayor's like, you're going to kill it. So they all have their guns. The National Guard has their guns pointed at the monster. He's like, Rrr. and all of a sudden, a bunch of people, are like no you're not killing the monster if you shoot the monster you got to shoot me including melvin's mother right well who where has this bitch been the whole time because now she's showing up um so this they a whole group of people gets in front of the monster so the national guard can't shoot him and then the national guard decides they don't even want to shoot him they're like no we can't do it and the monster toxie goes over to the mayor and rips his guts out he calls him a fat ass or something and then Punches him in the stomach and rips his guts. A few things about this scene. First of all, I mean, it really, uh, guys, it really is that abrupt. I'm not. It is very. It's very abrupt. I'm not. I'm. Yeah. So, so uh, when we get an array of very big performances in a movie brimming with over the top performances, we get the, the worst of them in this final moment. Literally, everyone's got a line, and I think trauma is very recognized for having scenes in their films where they give like random extras like a, a line of like where they give it their all like the extras in trauma movies really just throw their all into it there's a few children that speak in this sequence and they obviously did the best community they're part they're involved with the the best production of joseph and the amazing technicolor dreamcoat in in town back in 1974 and i think that this is their time to shine things like this you know and um, uh, there are some some of the cops' headlines are really just very big. I know, again, it's a trauma movie, but God, it's hard to get through. Um, and it's supposed to be like endearing because they're all standing up for you know the toxic Avenger, but whew, it's painful. Um, few things. First of all, I'm pretty sure that nobody knows that that elderly woman that was killed was a sex um, like a sex ring. Like head of a sex ring, you know? Yeah. No, the public does not know. So why are they so quick to defend Toxie? I understand he saved some people, but now it appears he's killed an old woman. So when he walks up to the mayor and proceeds to disembowel him in front of everybody, the response is pretty low key. Well, there's people that clap. And you're you're right because the people of this town do not know that the mayor's corrupt, correct? Correct. That's the thing. So why are you 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 why are you applauding the fact that your mayor's guts just got ripped out by this monster and to the fact that you just let the monster leave and you have um you have Sarah over there who at some points in this movie she's the most annoying helpless bitch I've ever seen in my life. She is on the ground in front of this tent. Melvin, Melvin, Melvin. And he's like, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. And he runs to her and they embrace and the just the whole town applaud. They applaud as the mayor is literally there trying to stick his guts back in his stomach, gurgling blood and dying. Yeah. Yeah. And the toxic avenger proceeds to say, take care of this toxic waste. And like, maybe that's how everybody knows that like the mayor was bad, but I would be like, excuse me, I need some more information from you as to why you just killed the mayor in front of me. Because right now this looks like, a honestly, this is looking like a homicide. Multiple people are dead. <laughs> and I have personally no understanding as to why this is okay. I'm certainly not going to applaud it. 
I'm going to be uncomfortable with it. I'm here <laughs> thinking that things are fine and you just killed a man in front of me. So <laughs> I don't know. People, people t- seem to be pretty passive when it comes to mass murder in this film. Um, uh, but again, at the end of the day, am I asking too much from the Toxic Avenger? Probably. And I can honestly say that with confidence based just off the way the movie ends on a very dramatic freeze frame of the Toxic Avenger against a sunset that makes him look like Bigfoot. Um, it is very awkward ending to the movie. The finale is very blasé. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it is a lot. This movie is a lot to process. Yeah. And you get a, you get a voice, a small voiceover at the end of the film where it's like, Oh, if you ever need help or you're ever in danger, look behind you because the toxic Avenger may just be there. Um, and then it ends. Yeah. That's the end of the movie. The people applauding the fact that the toxic Avenger just ripped the guts out of the mayor and that he's, he, he went over to Sarah when she was screaming her fucking guts out because she couldn't stand up and the movie ends. And that's the toxic Avenger. Uh, that's the Toxic Avenger, Roger. What do you think? I mean, we've re- we've reviewed we've reviewed a variety of of different types of films on this podcast, which is I I like that. I like the variety of films we have reviewed. If you look at our reviews of the films that we've done, I think there is quite a diverse group of films, and this one goes right along with that. I I, I have not seen a lot of podcasts cover this film. And again, it had an impact on me as a kid. I'm not going to say it did not, which is why I, I, I wanted to do this film. I had not yeah. seen it for a long time. So I was like, you know what? I remember, the, you know, what films stuck with me or had scenes that stuck with me that I saw as a kid. And this one popped up. So I'm like, you know what? This would be a great one to discuss on the podcast. It's a, it's a different type of film than we've ever done. We've never really done a horror comedy. So I wanted to cover it. Now, watching it as an adult, you know, that has had a lot more experience with filmmaking and just has grown, obviously. Um, There are things about this film I like. There are things that I think are kind of funny and work well. But then there are a lot of things that that don't. Um, And that's like any film, I think. Uh, Yeah, I think one thing needs to be said again, and I mentioned this earlier, but I think trauma at the end of the day, their goal is to shock and offend and, you know, make you uncomfortable or disgust you. It's it, it, That's what their cinema is pretty much all about. I mean, they have films about killer condoms and, <laughs> like you know, they have films about every possible gross situation and mutants and mutations and freaks and disemboweling. And, and so this is just kind of standard trauma fair, you know? So this is a review of a trauma movie by someone who's not necessarily a trauma fan per se, meaning myself. However, I mean, is this a great example of a low budget movie made in the era, you know, that I love dearly, the eighties? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fashion, the music, the, the style, does it show you what, a low budget company can do with a relatively, you know, meager budget. It was, I think it was like what, 500,000 for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like, come on, like even, yeah, by today's standards, especially that, you know, inflation, everything, obviously, but still, that's still a low budget movie. It's impressive Mm -hmm. what they pulled off with the big chase sequences and so forth. And, and I think, um, I, I think it makes sense why a film like this would hold up as a cult 
classic. I get it. Is it necessarily my cup of tea? No, it's not. But I appreciate it for what it is. And I respect people who enjoy these kinds of films. And, you know, if we didn't review films like such as this, then I don't think we would really necessarily be doing justice as a horror podcast that delves into all aspects of the genre. You know, Uh, this just really isn't one that I would seek out on a regular basis and really enjoy personally. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I don't think I I have a, a, a I will watch this again anytime soon. I did try that. We have to do say there there are two sequels to the film. I mean, I, I I'm pretty positive in saying that this is Troma's most successful film. Yeah, and I was very surprised. It has a high IMDb rating. Not that that means anything, but it's just it's just curious that it has right. such. A, it's like it's like six point three. And it has a lot of votes. I'm like, that to me is a little surprising considering some of the films that get um, low, you know, low ratings. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's silly. Uh, it's over the top. I mean, it's, it's trauma. That's all we can say. If you don't know what, you, if you don't know what you're getting into with a trauma film, then I think this is a good introduction. Yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly a fan base for that type of film. I mean, there are people who like gross out horror. Mm-hmm. There are people who like offensive horror. But again, Roger, I would love to put, I would love to, and I don't know why I would just love to get a group of young people, you know, that don't know this film, don't know trauma. I would love to get a group of young people together that, that claim their horror fans or say they're horror fans. I'm not saying claiming horror fans that, that are horror fans and, and put, and put this on and just see what their reaction is. I'm very yeah. curious. I'm very curious as if it would be amusement um, or if it would be like they were, you know, grossed out by it or if they were offended by it because some of the, some of the jokes and some of the things that take place on screen, it would be, it would just be very, very cool um to to do that and just see what 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 the reactions are i i don't know i just feel like in 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 an age where you know like i talked about where old movies are kind of getting pulled into the you know oh let's let's examine this and see if there's anything offensive in this film so that we can you know try to cancel try to cancel it I, i just wonder if this this would be you know what 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 people would think about this film that haven't really if this movie, I mean, and obviously it has a fan problem, but if this movie was a movie that was like prominently in the public eye, I think it would have way more of a um, force against it just because a lot of the things that are said or portrayed or parodied are things that by today's standards, people tend to have an issue with and shy away from. And I, my personal issues, I mean, am I kind of annoyed by some of the portrayals? Yeah, but my personal issues are not so much with that because I'm, I have a thick skin and I can deal with a gay stereotype trope and I can, I can, you know, see past a lot of this dated age of humor, considering the era that it's from. My issues are more in the sense of the structure of the storyline and story it's telling and the inconsistencies within that. And honestly, characters um, not being really fully fleshed out and written in a way that I feel um, merits their downfalls you know these characters i wanted you know you're trying to tell me that this character is a villain that this character is one of the more prominent negative forces in the movie um and yet you you fail to really satisfy me with the way they're dispatched i think that's at the end of the day 
you're not really doing your job as a filmmaker. I mean, sure, you make a funny, sticky movie. That's great. There's plenty of them. That's not really an excuse for a weak story. And I do think that this movie is just a weak story. They just tried to bloat it with so much absurdism and crazy imagery and wild kills and gross out humor that they didn't pay attention to that. I look for stronger story arcs. I look for meteor finales, you know, I look for a better payoff and I look to see the characters that you're telling me I'm supposed to dislike as if you were, if you're going to give me that, that prominent of a reason to dislike them, then you better follow through with the ending you give me. And I feel this movie does not follow through with the way it um, shows the dem- demise to multiple characters within the film. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so that's a Toxic Avenger. I think this film does have a heavy cult following. In fact, there is a remake that has been in the works for a while that, uh, uh, interestingly enough, the actor attached to the remake, and we've mentioned this in our last episode, is Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. So, interesting. Um, but we'll see what how that pans out. But yeah, folks, that's a Toxic Avenger. We got, yeah, another episode. So, as always, we like to reveal what our next pick is. Toxic Avenger was my pick. So I'm picking another one for my next pick. And I threw a couple of titles out to you, Roger, that I still want to cover. However, at the last minute, I messaged you and I said, you know what? I changed my mind. This is the film I want to do. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Even though I said I would not do this film. (laughs) We, I think because uh, I, I really enjoyed our sleepaway camp episode. The fans seem to have really, really responded well to that episode. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it was quickly one of our most listened to episodes. It's, it is actually our most listened to episode in the shortest amount of time. For So thank you for checking that out. Um, we appreciate it. But for our next episode, then we are going to do Sleepaway Camp 2 on Happy Campers. Goodness, we're doing a two-parter. Yeah, and you know what? I never thought I did. I w- didn't want to do that, but I I thought about our conversations that we had with Sleepaway Camp in terms of it being it being you know thought of as offensive and and all that other stuff. I I decided to do Sleepaway Camp too because I think the conversation will be very different because it's a very different film. It it is not tonally. It is not anywhere tonally similar to the first sleepaway camp. So I think our conversation will, will definitely go in different places. It's not just simply going to be re- a repeat of our first episode. Um, so I'm excited for that. So ch- that'll be, yeah, that's going to be our, our episode, our next episode folks. So definitely look forward to that, but we hope you appreciated our discussion on the toxic Avenger. Now I will say, Roger, I promise everyone this, I will never do sleepaway camp four. That is a horrific film. It doesn't even need to be mentioned. And I probably won't ever, we probably won't ever cover three. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we have like 500 episodes and we're like running out of stuff to talk about, maybe we'll do Sleepaway Camp 3. But I think two, one and two are a good combo to talk about. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I will say this. I feel within the last few episodes, we've finally delved into a few titles that we don't necessarily love. I think first, it's really exciting to talk about titles that you know, impact us a certain way, in a positive way. Movies we know we're going to be able to talk about because we know them well and we enjoy them. But now we're talking about some titles that we may or may not, you know, really include in our list of favorites. And um, uh, some of these titles are movies that, eh, you know, this Toxic Avenger, I wouldn't say it's a movie I really enjoy. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how listeners are going to respond to us occasionally having to be the bad guy. 
and occasionally having to be honest about how we feel. Because at the end of the day, you know, as, as reviewers hosting this review, we're just going to be honest. Our opinions are merely opinions, but this is our takeaway. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're just sharing our takeaway. So ideally, nobody listening to this feels. Um, oh, I don't think so. We're, we've been, we've been, pre- we have not been, we have not been, I don't think, very vicious towards any film. Now, because we haven't really covered a film yet, at least for me, that I actually hate. Yeah, even though, I mean, even though I don't, you know, you know, some of these films we've covered, I'm like, eh, you know, after watching it, meh, we haven't really covered anything I hate. Now I can think of films that I hate that if we cover it, I will be very blunt. But um, yeah. other than that, I mean, yeah, so thanks for, turn- for tuning in. We want Roger to get back to enjoying Mexico. So we're going to cut this off. Um, as always, folks, please, please, please go and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It literally takes a second. Just click on the five stars. It really does help. We did get a couple ratings. I, I noticed our rating count went up and we're, we're, we're really happy for that. So keep doing that and follow us on social media, Dark Knight of the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So that's our spiel. We really appreciate you tuning in. So Roger, you get back to enjoying your mimosas, your margaritas, oh, your beach. Thank you. My boyfriend lounging in the pool. He's going to be so fucking drunk god love him and i hope he's wasted um because i left him to his own devices in the in the float up bar oh, wow okay you better get down there my mimosas are waiting guys thank you we love you more than the world and uh we'll be back uh in a week for another awesome episode of dark night of the podcast all righty folks have a great one goodbye bye